Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Right, welcome to Plan for Life Now, the podcast. I am Steve Kiliani. And I'm Dave Murray. But you guys probably know that if you're actually tuning into a podcast. It's not like Right. Most of you went on the website or <clears throat> we're the only ones on the website. There's our pictures and this is the podcast and right. a lot of you to, a lot of you are already our clients. It's hard to get out of that mode of the radio mode where you're introducing yourself, coming back in from the breaks and things like that. I'll tell you one thing that's good about not being on the radio. We had to do a show every single week, and right. sometimes we're super busy. And it, it's Sometimes hard to... there's not a whole lot going on either. Yeah, but sometimes <laughs> when you're... I mean, it's nice. Like last week, we really didn't do one of these, but we were busy. I mean, there's a lot going on, and it's nice to be able to do these when you want them, not on a rigid schedule. Mm-hmm. We missed our Redskin pick. Yeah, I would have picked the Redskins over the Packers. Well, you know? Seriously, I would have. It doesn't count no, for our record. Sure. I know I would have picked the Redskins over I th- the Packers. I think I would. I think I would have. Okay. But well, now we have a pick. Unofficially. Then, well, just hold on. You're you're still up one game on me. Good. Because right. now we have the Redskins-Cowboys game. <laughs> At Dallas, the Redskins got no rest. Play Sunday night. You got to travel off to Dallas. And then you play the Cowboys. And, of course, the Cowboys are the top-rated team. And everyone expects us to lose. Mm-hmm. Except Dave Murray? I think I'm going to pick us. <laughs> yes, I'm giving you a chance to gain because yeah. I know you'll go against me. Seeing but daylight. I'm going to take the Redskins against the Cowboys only because everyone's predicting us to lose. And you know what? Our offense is Super Bowl caliber. This is the Redskins. Super Bowl caliber offense. Mm-hmm. Average defense. When you put those together, some might you say have below some average. Might, some might say below average. You put it together, we're good. Right. But with the Cowboys, you know, they're going to score on us, but their defense isn't so great. We're going to score on them. So I'm going to take the Redskins in a high-scoring game. Um, Redskins 35, mm. Cowboys 31. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I just think that it's going to be too much. I mean, when do the Redskins ever play well in a primetime game or a... This last Sunday. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that That's the first time in a while. We're on a roll. I'm going on based on history here where if we're being spotlighted and the rest of the country is watching us, we're not going to play that well. Uh, but I, I do believe in our offense. So I think it's going to be uh, Cowboys 37, uh, Redskins 28. Okay. So... We'll see. I've given I'll let the door open for you to catch up and tie me on this thing. I think if I win this one, you're in deep trouble. Yeah, the rest I'm not going to get out of that hole. 
So we'll see. All right. So what you start with what you wanted to talk about that you didn't even tell me about, and I'll react to it. All right. Well, there were two main things we want to talk about today. I wanted to talk about this article. Um, We posted it on our Facebook page, and I'll put it right here below the article, below the podcast as well. But it's this article talking about, you know, the headline of it is investors may lose 40% in quote unquote safe bonds and retirees are most vulnerable. Okay. So this goes right along the lines of, um, you know, trying to grab people's attention. I think they call this clickbait, where you know you you see a headline. Oh, I gotta click on that. I might lose forty percent in my safe bonds. And the, the whole point of the article to summarize this is this idea that if you own long-term bonds, so let's say you were a person who uh, a month ago had decided I'm going to put a lot of money in 30-year bonds and my 30-year bonds are only getting 3% yield. Right? Okay. If I were to do that and then interest rates go up significantly, yes, the price of my bond is going to go down significantly. So this is where the sensational headline of people invested in bonds could lose 40%. Now, I'm going to counter this with a couple of different points. First of all, most people know this. So most people are not investing in 30-year bonds. You know, most people are, you know, they might have 7 or 8-year average bonds and that that could still be trouble. We can talk about that. But most people are not way out there in all 30-year bonds. What if we go the opposite way and say we're in short-term, short-duration bonds, let's mm-hmm. say within 3 years? Now, what, what does that headline look like now? Well, it's <laughs> so here's the rough math that everyone should, should understand when it comes to bonds. Um, you're going to have, let's say you have a 30-year bond. If you don't know, a 30-year bond, you get interest payments on it every year. You get your principal back at the end of 30 years. Pretty simple, right? There's another number associated with bonds called duration. And duration basically means, on average, when am I getting my money back? Well, I know that I'm getting the big chunk of it back at the end of 30 years, but I'm also getting payments along the way. So the duration in that bond is probably 27 years. The rough rule of thumb is for every 1% interest rates increase, you are going to lose whatever your duration is. So if interest rates went up 1%, you would lose 27%. So that's where they're coming up with these numbers of saying gotcha. okay. interest rates go up 2%, you could lose you know, 40%, 50% on your bonds there. Take that to your question where you say, what if I have a portfolio of short-term bonds that say you know, three years? Which, you know, most of our bond portfolios, that's kind of what we're targeting, two and a half to three years. On a portfolio like that, 1% increase, you lose 3%, but then you're usually getting a yield of 3 or 3.5%, three right. so you're basically flat. Right, so we look at the combination of the bond price and the yield. Mm-hmm. What are we ending up with when you put, let's say in this scenario, losing money on the bond price, gaining right. on the yield because interest rates go up. What's yes. your combina- combination well, so then you're basically of flat. You're basically flat, you know, have a zero return in that year. 
And, and that's, you know, that's really what we look at. Now, clearly, interest rates could go up more and they could go up faster. Um, but that's the kind of the best way to protect yourself. But isn't there a silver lining? Correct me if I'm wrong. This is mm-hmm. not my forte. This is your forte. <laughs> I'm not pretending like this is my field of expertise. The next thing we talk about is my field of expertise. Right. If I'm just getting into it now, let's say I'm getting into a bond fund now that is sure. short duration. Now, what I'm getting, because the interest rates are higher, is a higher yield yeah. than if I had got into it a few months ago. Absolutely. So, it's more if, attractive. If, if I want yield, but I also don't want to be risk-taking, so I'd ra- or less risk-taking, so I'd rather do a shorter duration, aren't, aren't I really sort of... Right. Isn't this a good thing for some retirees? Oh, absolutely. Because if you t- if you start to look at bond yields and interest rates you can get just in the last three weeks, I mean, you're seeing them significantly higher. I mean, for the the 10-year treasury, you're going from you know 1.6, 1.7 up to 2.2. You know, that's a half a percent change in a short period of time. You know, you look at that across all different bonds, and that's that's pretty good. Right now, here's a number before we shift to the long-term care topic. Um, so people talk about okay, bonds interest rates are going to go up. So, you know, all right, maybe I don't own those super long-term bonds you were talking about, but what about you know more average bonds? And I think it's important here to look at historical data. Not from the last 30 or so years, because the last 35, 36 years, we've had uh, declining interest rates. So a lot of you out there listening, you can probably sit there and nod your head and smile and remember this, when you got a mortgage at 17%, right? and you were going, oh God, I'm better off than those guys who got it at 18%. Thank God I was in college then and didn't worry about this stuff. (laughs) Right, So it's not really a good comparison to look at the bond market for the last, you know, since 1981 because we've had falling interest rates. So let's go back and look at the last cycle of rising interest rates. So this was basically from 1941 to 1981 where interest rates were rising during this time period. And you can look at 10-year treasuries, so 10-year government bonds, and you can look at the years when they experience losses. And I can't count these up here, but it looks like there's probably eight or nine years out of those 40 years when they had losses. And the worst year was a 5% loss. Right? And most of them on the order of you know one or two, two and a half percent. And those, once again, those are 10-year treasuries. That's not where we would have most investors you know, position right. right now. But the bottom line is this. But it gives back, you a sense. Back to the premise of this segment. Yeah. You see a headline like that, as you call clickbait, bonds lose 40%. You're thinking to yourself, like 2008 when stocks right. were down these percentages, when you actually then start to dig into all this, that that headline is basically trying to equate the volatility of stocks and bonds. Right. And that's that's just historically not true at all. Um, you know, the, the down years in bonds are not nearly as severe as the down years in stocks, not even close. I mean, the historical standard deviation with stocks is, you know, somewhere around 20, whereas with bonds, it's around three and a half or four. So stocks tend to be, what is that, five times more volatile than bonds. So, 
All right, let's shift gears off of bonds and interest rates and on to long-term care. On to long-term care. We do have some big news on that front. Well, big news in the long-term care industry. That's all relative. For anyone listening to this, they probably have not heard this news. And then ultimately, when we're done with this segment, you can decide if you care. But John Hancock, life insurance company, has decided as of December 1st of this year, which is... I don't know when you're. You might have. This might have already happened, based on when you're listening to it. But for us, it hope hasn't we get it out yet, before. It's that. not Thanksgiving yet. But as of December first, they're not selling traditional long-term care insurance anymore. <coughs> they're not selling long-term care insurance. Right. That's a big deal. But they're not. The, when you say that, they're not selling new policies. Correct. So, so the policies they have on the books. They're still in force. They have to honor them. All Which that. is my first consumer flag. Consumers think when they hear that a company is not selling long-term care insurance anymore that they're not honoring the policy they already have. And millions of Americans have John Hancock long-term care insurance. Yeah, they were Every long-term care insurance policy is regulated by the state in which they were sold to it by the state insurance commissioners. Every long-term care insurance policy is something called guaranteed renewable meaning they cannot cancel their long-term care insurance because they feel like it. They can't cancel it on you, period, as long as you pay your premium. Right. So nobody is saying they're not honoring the policies. If you own a John Hancock long-term care insurance policy, this is actually a good news because you already have your John Hancock long-term care insurance policy. That's kind of counterintuitive for people because they they think – well, gosh, John Hancock's going out of the business. They, you know, I know they have to honor my policy, but they're doesn't seem like they're real committed going forward. But you're you're making it, yeah. So basically, your take is as good. Thing. They have to be committed going right. forward to the the policies that they already have sold. It's just a question that they're John Hancock saying we don't want to take this risk anymore. This right. long term care insurance is not, from our point of view, going to be a profit maker. You know, and long-term care insurance has never been a big profit maker, but the reality is they're thinking, why take this risk with so many people needing to use their long-term care insurance? And we already have a lot on the books, so we're not going to sell it anymore. Mm-hmm. This is a also protects people who already own a policy. Now, John Hancock knows how many claims they can project out that they're going to pay. Right. They know that they don't have to factor in future buyers' claims. And it stabilizes the book of business, in my opinion, to to let actuaries know what they're looking at and to ultimately, hopefully, help stabilize your price if you already own. That's not a guarantee, but if you already own long-term care insurance. But you also think this represents a a larger trend of where the industry is headed. Well, when I started doing long-term care insurance in the heyday of its – well, first of all, you need to know that long-term care insurance – of this form didn't really exist until the late 80s. Mm-hmm. It didn't even exist in the 1970s. So why was what was the existence? Why did long-term care insurance start? Because Americans lived longer. More people were in a nursing home. As Amer- Then you move into the 90s, there was the advent of assisted living. Now you have people living longer and needing assistance in nursing home assisted living and around the 90s also home care. Right. People wanting to stay in their home if they could. And receiving home care, which is modern long-term care insurance based for home care, assisted living, nursing care. You know, a lot of times you're going to use your policy in different places based on what's called the continuum of care. What will my experience, you know, be in all that stuff? 
And it seemed like, before you had claims, it seemed like to the John Hancocks of the world, the Genworths of the world, the other companies, that wow, you know, we see all this assisted living, we see this need, and there should be an insurance for this, and we should be able to sell this insurance. Right. And they marketed it heavy, and they sold it heavy, sure, especially starting in the mid-90s to, to around 2005. I remember when Genworth just poured money into marketing. It was a couple hundred million dollars because they were thinking – this is going to be our next big Well, line. Hancock and Genworth, had they poured money into marketing, and they did it in a one-on-one fashion. This was before the Do Not Call list. Right. It was before, remember, before the Do Not Call list. You call anybody at home. Didn't matter. And they did were very successful in their marketing of the insurance. Then what happened was, uh-oh, <laughs> what happens 10, 15 years, 13 years and longer after you buy a policy? You actually see claims. You actually see claims. And the claims really started around the mid, started to come in in mass and around the mid 2000s to now. And that's why you see from, I can't even tell you how many carriers were licensed in Maryland, D.C., Virginia when I started selling this. I'm going to say there may be 20 or 30 options. Yeah. Now, really, I, I have two companies that I feel are legit, you know, that have been in the business a while, that have a good history of paying claims and, and a decent price. Uh, for today's long-term care insurance, and those two companies are Mutual of Omaha and Genworth. It used to be Mutual of Omaha, Genworth, and then John Hancock, but now it's just those two. So what does this say about the future of traditional long-term care insurance? That it will probably not be sold in the way that it is set up now, what's called traditional. I'm going to guess, give it you know 12 to 24 months, hmm. and nobody will be doing it this way. So if you were to look at the lifespan of traditional long-term care insurance, and this is important because if you already own a policy, and many of you do if you're listening to this, guess what? You got in when the getting was good because the future of long-term care, and by that I mean, and I don't want to bore you, but here's my opinion as to why John Hancock's not selling it, as to why these carriers are going to offer something new in the future that's not this. It has to do with, you start somewhere, you grow your benefit. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Most people, it's the compound inflation protection. And you grow with compound inflation. These days, it's 3% compound. Back in the day, you got 5% compound, which was affordable. So if I started at 72, my policy is going to pay me 72000 this year, and I have a 3% compound inflation rider on that. Well, 15 to 20 years from now, that policy is going to be paying me one hundred forty, hundred fifty thousand dollars $150,000, somewhere mm-hmm. in that neighborhood. Not... You know, the 72. Right. I pay a premium for this. Say I'm paying $2,500 a year for this policy. All right. And let's say it's going to pay me at the back end four years of care down the road. Right. So I pay them after 20 years, I paid them $50,000, 20 times 2,500 premium. Now I pay them $50,000 and I'm on something we call a waiver of premium, mm-hmm. which means I don't have to pay them when I'm collecting from them. Right. The first year I'm collecting, 20 years from now, let's say I'm collecting 135000 140000 I'm on a waiver. So I paid them fifty. I did pay them fifty over 20 sure. years. You didn't, you didn't have that money to invest and save right. and whatnot. But now you're but collecting. You're paying me one thirty, one forty. So right. basically, I made up that fifty in about four or five months. The second year, it's it's still compounding. The benefit is I'm right. not paying the problem. I'm done at fifty thousand. The second year, it pays me 
about 5,000 more. So maybe after two years, I collected 280,000. I paid them 50. The third year, it pays me some more. Let's say I collected over 380,000. It pay, I paid them 50, yeah. et cetera. When you look at this model, this has been the general model of long-term care insurance since its inception to now, through now. This isn't working for them no, because they, of what we just, what you talked about in the first segment, interest rates. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's been a part of it with interest rates so low. And claims. And, and claims being much higher, people living longer, people not dropping their policies. Because, you know, as we know, the people who buy this tend to be educated, financial planning oriented. They're not going to just buy it and then say two years later, nah, I'm going to drop it. They're going to hold on to it. And that's, you know, all these things combined has really blown up their models. But, you know, as you're going through this and, you know, I brought up this question of, oh, hey, John Hancock leaves the business. Does that mean they're not really committed to it? No. What it really means is it's not profitable for them to do it. So I would look at that from the other side of it, the consumer side to say, hey, I'm getting a good deal on this. Right? If a company doesn't want to offer the insurance at that price anymore, well, then that means what you have must be a better deal than they really want to offer. So people who have existing policies should feel good about the fact, hey, I've got a deal that you can't get now. Right. Now, let's look forward. Let's say I'm right and traditional long-term care insurance ends in its current format. What does that say if you don't already own it? You should probably look into this while traditional is still offered sure. by several top companies. Okay. The future of this are hybrid. They're called hybrid products. They're life insurance policies or sometimes annuities that have a long-term care benefit attached to them. Hmm. They sound good to the consumer because if you die and don't use it, there's a death benefit. Or an annuity payment. But when you break down the long-term care element of it, it is saving the insurance company money, especially in the critical first two or three years when they're on the hook to pay you. Right. The description of why I say traditional is going to end is benefiting the insurance companies in the hybrid products, yet it sounds a little bit on the surface like you can have your cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. Actuarially, it's much better. So what might you see when traditional ends? More TV commercials, more insurance companies pushing the emotion buttons of getting long-term care insurance, and quite frankly, you need it anyway, but pushing the hybrid products, the only thing available, right. making you, the consumer, say, oh, now I want to go buy it. They're not. You don't see any TV commercials now for it because it's not making them money. Right. What does this tell someone who's listening to this podcast who doesn't own it? who says things that consumers say that make me want to throw this microphone <laughs> through the window. I think I'll just wait. I'll right. wait to get it until it gets better. Okay, that wasn't very educated comment. No, because <laughs> you know we've seen this for years now. The, the benefits being watered down. We've seen the prices going up. And now you're right. I mean, or, well, I don't know if you're right, but I think uh, you're right. You're going to be right that we're hitting this point where these traditional products might just disappear. Right. You know, a podcast listener to Art, to this, <laughs> who's already probably a client or is very, most people are very retirement planning savvy by the time they get to this podcast. Many of you already own a policy. Yeah, I would recommend that if you have people who ever bring it up to you, the long-term <laughs> care insurance, you've been educated and it wouldn't hurt to tell those people what you're learning from this you know, to get them off the mark because a lot of people don't know this and it's useful information. All right. Thank you for joining us. Hope you all had a good Thanksgiving because you're probably listening to this afterwards and we will talk to you again soon.